Welcome to the Talking Serverless Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Jones, joined today by Chase Douglas, the CTO of Stackery, a serverless platform to design, develop, and deliver modern applications. Chase leads the engineering team at Stackery and is one of a handful of AWS serverless heroes since 2019. Chase is also a frequent speaker at tech conferences and an open source contributor. How are you doing today, Chase? Hey, thanks. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Um, I, I love getting an opportunity to talk with people about amazing stuff that they can do uh, with serverless. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and we're really happy to have you on as well. Um, you know, one, one of the big things is that, you know, for the listeners out there, Stackery and Serverless Guru are both based out of Portland. Um, so it's kind of interesting that, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that? It's like almost like Portland's kind of become like a serverless hub now that New Relic has like New Relic Serverless as well. Yeah, exactly. It's it's exciting to see. Um, and I personally love Portland as a city as well. So the more that we can do here, the more that we can bring more people into uh, you know, the, the serverless first mindset. Um, it, it's surprising how much there can be geological or geographical um, hotspots of technologies. Uh, and so this is a great seed for the greater Portland community. Um, one great example of these kind of like geographical hotspot, especially down in um, uh, Australia actually, has a huge amount of uh, uh, serverless uptake because there's been a, a, a large amount of cloud adoption for a lot of regulatory reasons um, that, that led to that cloud adoption, but then that got people in the AWS ecosystem and that got people in the serverless basket. So it's funny how that how that ends up happening, um, and I'm just really glad that we're part of um, you know a similar hotspot here in Portland. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's I think it's really interesting to see how how it kind of keeps developing um, and whether or not there's going to be more new companies that are kind of springing up in Portland. Um, and so uh, you know, kind of kick back to uh, just in general, like how how is everything going for you and Stockery currently? Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, we love helping our customers and our users figure out how to build applications using this serverless approach. And so often, once they get started and they realize the full power of what's at their fingertips inside of AWS through Stackery, uh, there's, it, it, it releases that sense of um, th- those endorphins uh, that you get when you've accomplished something really cool. So we see that all the time. So that's part of what, uh, for those of you who aren't aware of, you know, exactly what Stackery is, it's a tool, it's a, it's a service that uh, links to your AWS account and provides all of these workflows that developers need to be able to craft their application. They can even drag and drop using a, a visual mechanism that stores that inside of a, an AWS uh, SAM template. SAM stands for their serverless application model. It's an extension of CloudFormation. It's it's infrastructure as code. So you kind of diagram this out. And then when you need to start working on it, you deploy it into an environment that Stackery helps you manage, uh, especially because AWS doesn't really have a concept of an environment. So we help you manage these environments. You deploy into them. We give you nice tools for uh, iterating uh, very quickly on each individual function that you might need to operate on. And then uh, lastly, we help with sort of like a infrastructure as code first CI/CD pipeline. 
So every phase of the software development lifecycle, we kind of wrap around uh, your AWS account and make it really simple for you to professionally build serverless applications. So what's been exciting is just seeing all the amazing apps that people are building and within you know, many of these companies, how it spreads. Uh, one team has success and then the next team wants to understand how that happened, how they got to that success. Uh, and they start adopting serverless. It's really kind of fun to see those kinds of interactions happen. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, you're definitely on the forefront of kind of seeing how these companies are adopting serverless and thinking about it. I think one one really cool point there is the endorphins idea that, you know, it's almost like the quicker that you can get someone to see the results of it, the faster mm-hmm. they get that, that buy-in into it. Um, and so, you know, out of curiosity, how did, how did Stackery start and, and where did the idea come from? Where did you see the gap and, and how did that take place? Yeah, throughout my career, I've always been focused at deep technical challenges that affect um, software development processes. A couple years into my career, I found myself at New Relic. Uh, New Relic is an application monitoring company, and they had a great product for monitoring your backend application infrastructure, especially for monolithic style apps like Ruby on Rails or a lot of PHP-style applications, LAMP stacks. And the really interesting thing that we started working on there was how to extend this monitoring into the browser space. So when you've got all this JavaScript code running inside of your browser, that JavaScript code could throw all kinds of errors. We take it for granted now we write so many um, static single page applications that are very, you know, heavy in a sense of how much code we deliver into the browser. But it wasn't that long ago that everything was rendered on the server and there was very little JavaScript running on the browser. So we developed this product that uh, was called New Relic Browser, and it made it possible to monitor for errors, monitor for metrics of your um, uh, network requests, your your asynchronous uh, you know, AJAX style uh, requests, uh, so you can figure out what's really going on on the on the browser side. But while all this was going on, we knew that we were going to be sending so much more data through the pipelines uh, that made up the the new Relic data ingestion infrastructure, and. Uh, they had to undergo a project at the same time that we were building New Relic Browser that strengthened their reliability of that pipeline. It involved inserting Kafka into it uh, to be able to more easily buffer and queue messages in case any tier of the backend uh, went down. So. I got a firsthand look at how challenging that was. Now, granted, New Relic is a huge product uh, with a lot of customers. It's not that everyone has the same problem. But even still, they spent an inordinate amount of man hours standing up Kafka, which is a simple concept in theory. It's It's a message queuing system. You put messages in one end, and then you've got you know, a different part of your system that takes messages off the other side in an ordered manner. But even though that's a very simple concept, the implementation took, uh, I don't know, somewhere between six to nine months and a team of engineers, um, really high 
you know, well, well compensated engineers at that because it's very tricky to get right. Uh, and it showed how hard it is to implement these these normal, simple concepts when you have to do it at each individual company independently. And so after I left there and I saw a same problem at another company I worked at, which is doing data ingestion pipelines for security analysis, I realized that there's something fundamental here. We're all doing, it may not be that we're all building data ingestion pipelines, but we're building a lot of common functionality independently across all of these companies. And it's not really giving us any extra benefit. No one cares how a product is built. They just want to know that the product is working properly. So around the same time, AWS was creating Lambda. And to me, I saw Lambda and I saw how you could hook it up to a Kinesis data stream, which is like Kafka. It's a message queuing uh, service meant for high throughput use cases. And I thought to myself, you know, this is great, but it is so hard to figure out how to build an application that pieces together Lambdas and uh, Kinesis streams uh, and packages it and ships it inside of you know, a, a concept of an environment like production, staging, development, and test. So that was kind of the genesis of Stackery was this realization that this stuff is so powerful. Figure out how to use serverless. We could really empower these companies to let AWS take on the brunt of managing how a queuing system actually works under the covers and leave just that logical component of, I just need a queuing system up to each company, each uh, engineering team to implement that, that one concept. So that's how Stackery began. It, it was take that concept, uh, a, a flow visualization would probably help a lot. So that was kind of the genesis of that idea. And everything just grew from there as we worked with more and more customers to understand what they needed and, and, and how to help them. I like the part where no one cares how it's built, just that it's working. And I think it's it's right. a really cool insight that you had where it's like you see these companies are building the exact same system. And, and we see it all the time with serverless, you know, REST APIs, for instance. Um, and it's every every company is sort of doing something similar uh, and they're all doing it independently. They're all running into the same cores issue, all those things. Um, so I can definitely see yeah, how that kind of started. And then one more was uh, it's powerful, but hard to use. And we're still kind of in that state where it's very, very powerful. If you've been in the space for long enough, you know how to build the stuff, uh, and you can get you can get through it. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Are we making progress on that front? Yeah, we definitely are. Um, but it takes time. It takes time to build best practices. But even as you build best practices for one type of uh, engineering workflow, you start to realize that you need even more practices that touch into different roles. So for example, uh, there are mechanisms to make it easier to architect a serverless application. Certainly, Stackery is great at this. And individual developers as well can come in and use Stackery for free to kind of architect their stuff as well. Um, so there's tools there at the, the application developer's disposal to help with a lot of this. but. Part of the challenge as well then becomes how does a team collaborate on building serverless applications? So they have to have tools, not only 
the, the obvious, like you must have some Git repository somewhere so that you can do PRs and share the code. Do you have to have tools for sharing how deployments are performed? Um, ideally, you have tools that help with the CI/CD process so that you can run um, kind of uh, preview sandbox uh, ephemeral deployments of any changes that you make to validate that they're doing what you expect they do. Um, so that's like another step. And then another step further within larger organization is it's fine enough to say, you know, I, I have a team of engineers and maybe we all share an AWS account. And with tools like Stackery, I can now subdivide that one account into many different namespaced environments for parameters, for secrets, for resources. But further than that, if you get into an organization of many teams, potentially many business units, you know, how do we manage AWS accounts at scale? One of the really interesting things about serverless is we're no longer as application developers focused on just writing source code and then finding ways that that source code gets deployed into one, two, maybe three uh, AWS accounts or environments. Now we're actually building up infrastructure alongside our source code. So you've got this question of who manages AWS accounts? How might they be um, vended out, uh, created for new teams, for new developers, uh, for new use cases? You know, what kinds of central management do you need over those so that from an operations perspective, um, you're not just you know, giving anyone like the keys to the kingdom by giving them an account, um, there's a lot of challenges there as well. Uh, so it's an iterative process as we think about how to build best practices and make it easier to, uh, to, to use serverless as an architectural pattern. Um, that starting point is uh, of how to build your applications. It's just the starting point. But as we continue to make progress across all of these walls, all of these fields that are intertwined in software development and delivery. Um, that's where things uh, are, are progressing. And I think that in the next couple of years, uh, we'll see that it becomes much more common practice with best practices uh, for everyone within organizations to be doing serverless first as their main approach to building applications and falling back from there to other approaches like containerization uh, when only when necessary. Yeah, this is a really interesting point because I think that a lot of times when we talk about serverless, uh, you know, we'll talk about Lambda functions, we'll talk about API Gateway or DynamoDB or something like that. Um, but there's a whole bunch of layers that you just mentioned, which were, you know, once you're using, once you set up a Lambda function, you know, how are you doing, uh, you know, deployments? How are you doing the CI/CD process? How are you setting up your AWS accounts, like you mentioned? And and you're right, as you scale out then it becomes all these other things like whose role is this? Like who's managing all these different pieces? And so it's cool that the Stackery platform is kind of wrapping that stuff because a lot of companies that I've worked with, uh, they end up having, they end up creating something like a cloud acceleration team or something where mm -hmm. that team is specifically focused on making the CICD process smoother, uh, making the deployment smoother, you know, having security stuff like baked into every single team. Um, and so it's, it's nice to see that some of that enterprise level stuff is being looked at from server with the serverless perspective with Stackery. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, it, it's very accurate. And there's there's a little bit of a tension here um, that we can see. There's even within enterprises where most traditional infrastructure, and even by traditional infrastructure, that could be that could mean data centers up through you know containers inside of Kubernetes clusters. Those are all managed in a, in a when I say traditional, I'm meaning like there's a there may be developers, teams of developers whose role is to provision these underlying resources. And then there's other teams who write the software code. And then that code gets deployed onto the infrastructure that the operations team stood up. And so that traditional approach, you've got a separation between the infrastructure side and the application source code side. With serverless, it all goes hand in hand. So there's this little bit of tension here uh, within large organizations when people start to do serverless. Because on the one hand, the application development teams now feel more empowered than ever uh, because they can do the whole infrastructure um, uh, part of their application alongside their source code. But the operations folks have the traditional uh, concerns of ensuring that all of the infrastructure, uh, just the, the raw infrastructure pieces are set up securely, are configured properly, that meet all of their maybe regulatory uh, requirements. So you have to get to a place where, um, and this is, I think, still something that's in progress, being developed through best practices. We have to get to a place where there are obvious mechanisms for the traditional IT and operations um, parts of an organization are working hand in hand with the application development parts. Uh, and each knows what their new role is in this environment. And that's where I think we'll see a lot of, while on the one hand, maybe the infrastructure teams are not setting up load balancers, aren't setting up as many clusters for Docker tasks and, and whatnot, but they may be instead focused more on account management, uh, organizations of account management within AWS, uh, getting into things like service control policies, ensuring that they can help support the application developer teams with infrastructure just that the, the, the units of the infrastructure, instead of being servers and load balancers and networking uh, setups, is now accounts and account permissions and user management and things like that. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, no, that's it's really interesting to see like kind of the tra- kind of transitions from uh, how it used to be with like or how it still is uh, for the most part, where it's development teams isolated some type of operations team to build infrastructure. There's a communication, there's people throwing stuff over the wall and throwing it back. Um, and then now it's like the abstractions that take place with serverless kind of uh, erodes a little bit of those barriers that existed before. Yeah. And I think, I think you, I think you summarize that really interestingly. And when it comes to one part of that, which is, it seems like standardization is a really big piece here. Uh, what, what, what strategies do you have for people that are building serverless applications at scale and, and making sure that all their different stacks are hitting all the compliance and regulatory things? Are, to, are there tools like that that already exist that you know about or that you use? As with anything in the technology space, you'll find that there are tools that they may do very similar things, but they're targeted to different markets. Or you might find that 
there are tools that do different things, but sound like they do the same thing to different markets. And so there are things that range from like cloud conformity has a CloudFormation uh, checker tool. You can run your CloudFormation template through that and it will analyze for things like, do you have public buckets that shouldn't be? Do you have overly permissive IAM privileges uh, that let you, you say, create or delete tables within an account when all you meant was to create and de or delete records uh, within a specific table. So there's that kind of a thing. Um, and so then, you know, you've got DevSecOps uh, concerns around how do you make sure that that is run on every single new stack, every single new application that's created. Um, there's also things like uh, AWS config, which goes through from a top-down level within your AWS account and uh, attempts to check and ensure that all of your resources are configured uh, appropriately. A lot of different tools here. There's certainly a lot of surface area that can and should be covered as well. But that's where there's a little bit of a challenge right now. There's so many tools and many of them either have a Kubernetes-specific focus or an AWS uh, in totality focus. And um, there's not a lot yet that is serverless focused. So that's, that'll be interesting to watch and follow is, you know, at what point does it become clear that there's best practices and, and leading tools uh, to help people manage all of that? This kind of brings up another thing, which is, um, you know, I'm constantly working in the space and doing, you know, cloud formation by hand. Uh, I know Stacker is doing a lot of this stuff for you. Um, and, and one thing that, you know, we often see is that when they roll out new releases with AWS, um, you know, there's either going to be cloud formation support immediately or there won't be. And since you're kind of writing almost like a compiler for this, um, what does it look like when AWS releases new features? Is the Stacker team just like scrambling to kind of add that to the platform or what does that process look like for y'all? That's a great question. Inside of Stackery, when you're using it, you've got this graphical canvas. And when you want to add some kind of new functionality to it, you can click this button that says add a new resource and open up this uh, palette of 20 plus of the most common resources people use as they build modern applications. From SNS topics to Lambda functions to Aurora serverless databases to you know, Kinesis data streams and so on. The interesting thing that we do here is, you know, we're, we're uh, very strong partners with AWS. Nothing is coming down the pike in terms of new resources for modern application development that we aren't aware of as it is uh, being developed and, and prepared for release. So that's the first step is when you get to be a strong partner, um, with someone like AWS, you get to work hand in hand with them. And then the second thing is, given that lead time, we have a very sophisticated library, um, which sadly doesn't have uh, a, uh, an awesome name. We just call it the resources library. I'm, I'm a terribly uncreative person. Uh, but it gives us the ability to have this declarative syntax for how uh, resources are 
managed in a stackery language. And so it lets us define things like what are the common configuration settings for a resource? Uh, so for a Lambda function, that's like, what is its runtime? Is it Node.js? Is it .NET? Is it Python? Uh, making that really easy to configure inside of the stackery product. And so we, when there's new functionality or there's new resources, it's just a matter of us going in and extending that, uh, that declaration of, of all the resources. And so many types of things we can kind of add in in a matter of hours uh, as they get uh, released. Uh, we also take a lot of input from our customers, too, to understand what it is that they need in terms of any functionality that we haven't marked as common and made really easy to configure. Uh, we listen to our customers to understand, you know, what they need and, and you know, often we'll add new functionality in based on uh, that feedback. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a holistic product managed process uh, that thankfully given, you know, some of the, the secret sauce of Stackery makes the actual engineering effort uh, fairly straightforward uh, and we don't have many, we don't have too many fire drills. Uh, let's just say that. Um, I certainly have my stories of fire drills, uh, but uh, I think they'll have to stay uh, a bit uh, buried for the time being. Gotcha. Yeah, that's really interesting that y'all have kind of this uh, this internal stuff that kind of makes the gears turn. So that's, that's really awesome. And another question that I had um, was, you know, for someone that's, you know, just learning about Stackery, um, and trying to figure out if it's for their company or not for their company, uh, I pose that question to you. Like, what kind of companies fit into Stackery? Do all companies are there specific ones that fit better than others? And and how do you how do you think about that? Yeah, we have uh, users and customers from startups, individuals on up through to you know Fortune fifty uh, enterprises, uh, banks, and whatnot. We have kind of different capabilities that speak to each. Certainly on the smaller side, they're all about just help me get my application up and running as quickly as possible. Oftentimes these are startups and to them, speed of application development and delivery is king. For enterprises, it's much more about controls and processes. They certainly lean into the fact that we make it easier to do development as well. But part of it is, um, and in that case of one of our bank customers, for them it revolved a lot around code confidentiality. Uh, they need to be able to ensure that as their software is built, as it's you know compiled or packaged, that that's all done uh, securely and that their code isn't being uh, sent out into external systems that they can't control. Uh, so uh, the fact that when Stackery builds your applications, it does so inside of code build jobs in your own AWS account. And while we have deep integration into your account, we don't actually have access to logs, to customer data. That gives them the comfort that they're you're using something that gives them a huge velocity improvement for their development needs, uh, but not having to sacrifice any of their, their requirements, whether it comes from regulatory needs or from you know, good governance um, for software development. 
Yeah, I think this is a really interesting point. Um, so the the idea there is like when you built it, you could have, I'm sure you've just, you kind of looked at both options, which was stacker controlling the CICD process or letting the customer control it. And it's, it's kind of, it's really interesting that you, you've kind of given that control and that flexibility and also the, the added aspects of like security and stuff that they can see everything that's being created inside of their own personal AWS account. Um, so I, I love that. We, we and, still actually yeah. have a few customers that uh, have a couple of stacks built on our own internal system where we do a lot of that packaging ourselves because we started out that way. But it didn't take long before we realized that, you know, AWS has some great paradigms here. It may not be that easy to hook them together to do what you need to do. Um, ask anyone who has tried to use uh, code pipeline, and you might hear stories of you know challenges of getting that to work right. But things like code build are great primitives for being able to encapsulate and um, and, and uh, do all the build tasks that go into uh, a deployment. And so we we switched on to that maybe two years ago, and it's been great. Um, our customers love that that they don't have to think about where is that code being built and it's all on their system. They can see all the logs for themselves. Nothing, nothing is hidden. Um, that's, that's huge for uh, enterprising. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and to, to kind of go into a different direction here, as we're starting to wrap up, um, what does the future look like for Stackery? Is there anything that you can tell us uh, publicly about like things mm-hmm. that y'all are thinking about coming out with? Yeah, you know, we we're always working on stuff. Um, a lot of our focus, as we get pulled into more and more larger organizations, is solving their organizational problems. At the end of the day, people are going to buy software because it helps them, as human beings, do what they need to do better, faster, more securely. So that's that's where a lot of our product research. Uh, it is is partly going. On the other side, uh, there are areas that we're kind of kind of spinning up websites. So if you've ever used uh, Netlify uh, as an example, it makes it so easy to say I've got a Git repository over here with the source code for static websites, and just I need you to check that out. Uh, compile it, you know, run npm run build maybe, uh, and upload it to a CDN. And so we just recently launched our website resource, which makes it super easy to do that, but do it within your AWS account. So going back to that enterprise use case, uh, there may be many reasons why enterprises can't use something like Netlify as a service but they already are using AWS. And so being able to drop in this website resource makes it really easy for them to continue using uh, a platform that they is already blessed um, to, do this, to achieve the same results. So we're, we always kind of mix and match uh, these two things as we try to, try to cater to more and more developers who are building applications, big and small, on AWS, while we also expand and solve problems for larger organizations who today aren't being served yet uh, very well for building serverless applications. 
Perfect. Well, I, I think that that actually brings us to a wrap. Um, so thanks again, Chase, for joining the podcast. Really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah, awesome. And so uh, for those listening, uh, this has been the Talking Serverless podcast with Ryan Jones. If you like our show and want to learn more, check out talkingserverless.io. And please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And of course, join us next time as we sit down with another fantastic serverless guest.